0: What a day, what a week, what a month to be doing this, March 1st, that Tuesday, zib has got a bunch of stories done for a few days uh, before the Summit League tournament roars. It's uh, Northern we Summit. We were so
1: busy we couldn't do a podcast last week. That
0: is correct, and we've got... But Augustana ruined our plans for the day. It's actually not a great day, I guess. I mean, uh, it's
1: 60 degrees out. It's a nice day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a, it's I mean, we can, yeah, we
0: can go frolic outside after this. That's fine. But uh, I was kind of planning my day, podcast and lunch with Zim, Gateway, then head over and watch Augie play uh, for a Northern Sun tournament championship and have a great atmosphere at the Pentagon. And uh, my kid has uh, – our middle kid has uh, – Region game tonight to start the playoffs and boys high school hoops and state tournaments start next week and Summit League tournament next week and yeah but uh, but this t-
1: week really starts right.
0: Saturday right but uh, what. Boy states to or oh, or I thought you were talking about the Summit League. Well Summit League does, yeah. Starts Saturday. They're not
1: having their uh, their uh, press conference they have every year on Thursday. I just emailed them the other day about oh. it. So oh. that was always kind of fun. It was like a sort of a good introductory you go down and say hi to everybody and get the awards and pick up your credentials and whatnot. They're not doing that this year. So
0: Tom Duple steps up and brags about how the Summit League <laughs> yes. is uh yes. whatever RPI or metric. Yeah. For, yeah. for uh get the civic leaders the to come out yes. and
1: give a hand job to themselves yes. about how great they do at hosting the tournament yeah. three
0: million dollars into the economy yeah. and stuff like that yeah. it was kind of fun craig, on the old radio show we you know we do mm-hmm. our interview mm-hmm. either you craig would usually go out there and i'd stay back at the studio and we'd talk to tom duple and talk about everything under the sun and usually uh, try to grill about if augustana is going to go division one right. and um and uh interesting i'm i wonder if they're not doing that anymore because tom duple's not the commissioner could anymore. be could
1: just be a covid thing i don't know but yeah we'll see
0: i guess anything could be a covid thing it is nice though because there were no fans last year where it was in the pentagon and now we're back in the denny and people will be there so it is kind of exciting
1: i'm pretty pumped like i've always been excited for this week every year i mean it literally is one of the funnest weeks of the year for me i agree uh last year i was glad they had something you know that they didn't cancel it but to say that it was not the same would be a huge understatement. I mean, it, it was very strange.
0: Yeah, and it looks like we could have potentially a Jacks versus Yotes men's game on Monday night.
1: Monday semifinals could be epic, to yes. use a cliched word, because if, yeah, if, I think we're all rooting for USD to beat Kansas City, because then Monday semis would be Jacks against the Yotes, and then NDSU or U.
0: Okay, I mean, so
1: you got That's potentially. Two huge men's semifinals. That's
0: a good nightcap, and those five guys that always come down from Fargo and dress up in their leprechaun outfits or whatever and get really drunk and sit behind the hoop will uh, will hold down the fort. On no Monday.
1: idea who you're talking about, but okay. <laughs>
0: okay a, it's a, literally the same five guys that look like in their late 20s, early 30s, and they sit there and drink beer the whole time and uh, and taunt. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's great. I, I, um, I wonder... Uh, the Northern Sun, I, there's so many th- ways to go here. Because, again, Augie ruined our day. They didn't ruin our day. Again, it's 60 degrees outside, so whatever.
1: Well, and it sounds like they're still going to host the regional. Oh, um, that's
0: good. Because I saw that you tweeted yesterday that, that they're lost puts it in yesterday. danger, but
1: it, everyone I've talked to says that because the number two right. seed, Upper Iowa, also lost. That Duluth, the number three seed, probably doesn't have a good enough resume to move all the way up to number one. That uh, the regional tournament is probably still going to be in Sioux Falls at the Pentagon with Augie hosting, so... If that's the case, that loss didn't really cost them anything other than bragging rights, because obviously the regional tournament's the one that you know, means the most. That's the, the NCAA sure. tournament. Yeah, but yeah, it was it's just it was an ugly game. They played like crap, and I thought they didn't play great in the Saturday game that they won in the quarterfinals. And you know, after that game, they kind of talked about, oh, we're a little nervous, whatever. You know, we'll be we'll be less nervous the second game, and they looked even more nervous or tight or whatever. And game gets over, and Tom, Tom Billiter, I'm talking to him after the game, and. He says to me, he goes, well, off the record, he goes, well, what did you think? And I, since I'm the one answering I think I can give the off the record. Yeah. I go, off the record? I go, I thought you looked like shit. And you know, I didn't enjoy saying that to him, but I was. he had asked me for my honest opinion, and I gave it to him. And I
0: think he kind of wanted to hear that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, what else yeah. would you
1: say? Yeah. I, maybe just kind of looking for confirmation, like, were we really as bad as it looked like? And, yeah, you did. But um, they get that out of their system and go to the tournament now and – I hope they host the regionals. That'd be cool to have more basketball here in town. But we'll see what happens. Uh,
0: by the way, there we go. I had to move chairs to start eating my taco salad here on Fat Tuesday. You feeling fat on a Fat Tuesday? What the hell's Tuesday? Fat Tuesday? It's, uh, it's the Fat Tuesday? It's like, I think, the biggest day slash the end of Mardi Gras. And... Uh, just so yeah. like
1: the first Tuesday in March it, it, or something? It comes
0: right before, I believe so, and then it becomes it comes right before Ash Wednesday, which is the start of Lent, and you repent all your sins. I'm Catholic, so, and I don't so even fat, know what that is. So but. Fat Tuesday, it's supposed to be like party your ass off, okay. eat and drink everything under the sun, debauchery, and then you wake up tomorrow, and you're a good person for 40 days. Off and, my radar. Yeah, I, either way, did you know that uh, I guess South Dakota, what, you, you learn. All, I learn all kinds of things now working in the uh, local TV business, Um and, and our, our people try to keep their ears to the news and stuff. South Dakota, I guess, was named the worst Mardi Gras state in the country, probably because I nobody celebrates it. I feel like it.
1: that makes sense. I'm not <laughs> it offended. It does make sense, uh. yes.
0: So, uh, but apparently Swamp Daddy's, the Cajun restaurant, where they're trying to, uh, have you ever been there? It's, no. It's a great place. Uh, Cajun food. Um Cajun flavors. They uh, they threw a Mardi Gras party on Saturday night in their brand new space that they're trying to make it feel like you're going to New Orleans and uh, to maybe perk up and vault us out of the bottom of the Mardi Gras list in the country. So now you know. Uh, yeah, it um, it was supposed to be a fun afternoon of Augie Hoops winning the Summit League or at least playing for the Summit uh, for that the Northern easy. Sun Championship. Well, why were they? So you mentioned they were they looked nervous. Why would they be? What's the what's I there mean, to be none, none of about? their
1: guys have been here before. You know, Tom Builder has, but this is a group of dudes that most of them are seniors, and this is sort of their last chance, and they had all the pressure on them as the number one seed, as the conference champ, and they just didn't seem to handle it very well.
0: Okay. Is, is, is that. Uh... They still look like they could do a lot of damage from here to forth. I
1: mean, we'll see. You know, and Tyler Remus was really good, and he wasn't great against Moorhead. Adam Dykeman's a good player who did not have a good game in that game. And um, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I obviously don't know a ton about Division Two anymore or follow it or anything, but, I, you know, I certainly didn't watch – any of the other teams, Upper Iowa, Duluth, whatever, and go, oh my gosh, those guys are so good. I just, Like I said, I just didn't think Augie played very well.
0: Did they just throw up a bunch of bricks? I mean...
1: Why? no, They missed a lot of bunnies, good shots where the, the ball just sort of didn't go their way and then they panicked. Instead of saying like, okay, you know, the ball just isn't bouncing our way, we're fine. They started panicking and they never really made a run.
0: Okay, this is still their best team since they won the national title six years ago. What, yeah. does, it, what does it look like compared to that team?
1: Um, It's a different team. They're They're... A really good defensive team, which you don't often get from from Augustano or a Tom Billiter coached team. Uh, And he leans really heavily on his starters in a small rotation, which is another thing that's a little bit uncharacteristic of some of Tom's teams. You know, he always, in the days when I used to cover him, played a very big rotation, you know, usually went for a lot of depth. Uh, This team, it's not that they don't necessarily have the depth, but like I said, he just leans really heavily on his starters. You know, like I said, Ty Riemersma is the best big in that league. 6'8", true center, double-double machine. Adam Dykeman, their four, is a transfer from SDSU, who's a really good energy guy, athletic dunker, rebounder, deep defender kind of dude. And they got some good guards in Isaac Fink and Dylan LeBrun and a, a true point guard, Jameson Bryan, one of those pass-first point guards that are kind of a, a dying breed, but he, he makes a good sort of quarterback for that team or whatever you want to call him, so... They have five really good starters, and uh, then, like I said, the, the bench, it, it falls off a little bit, but, you know, we'll, how does that stack up to the rest of the country? I have no idea. It um, wasn't, if, yeah, I, I know you But, know. you know, if they, you know, like I said, if if they host the regional, and it sounds like they will, obviously that gives them a chance to, to make a run.
0: And the regional is they'll get three games, potentially?
1: I've Well, you lose and you're done. I mean, it's the regional is the NCAA tournament.
0: Yes, I understand it's the NCAA yeah. tournament, but do they host, like, eight, do they, I think they host eight teams, right? There's um, eight regions and I think
1: I think eight regions of eight. Yeah, division, and so if yeah. you win your region, you're in the Elite Eight. Right. Yeah. Which the Division two, the Elite Eight, is essentially the equivalent of the Final Four in Division I. Because yeah, you
0: make a trip right. for a weekend. Right. Out is it right. still in Springfield, Massachusetts? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Was it when they won? No, they, they went to Frisco the year they That's won. That's right. Yeah. You the there, women
1: right. went to San Antonio when okay. I covered them. And the men never made it to the Elite Eight while I was covering them. They didn't make it until finally. Um, the oh. year they won the national
0: championship did you go cut did you go no uh, ian frazier went and covered oh it, that's course. right yeah back when you guys i had. wanted to go well i'm sure you did uh so there's that and we'll get to the summit league stuff and the jacks and all the stuff that you learned today from the jacks weekly press conference there's big news for the women's team ahead of the uh, tournament on saturday and uh there's you know su- there's summit league honors to go through uh, what you voted for and who might win and of course the big tourney preview but uh, you know, you've you've commented that you've been out there a couple times to the Augustana games at the Northern Sun tournament, and on a Monday afternoon. I mean, they played like crap, but fifteen, what was no five about five hundred people there on a Monday afternoon. The official
1: attendance for the Augie game was five hundred.
0: Yeah. So, um, and, and obviously tomorrow for the cha- or today for the championships, men's in the afternoon, women's for the championship. Augie was one of the only was the only one out of four. US, uh, of Sioux Falls uh, teams. That's right. That made the Pentagon. That's made, right. That, yeah. that made it. And but hey, at least they were. It looked like they were coming into play tonight. The, um, the. Do you think the Northern Sun tournament should possibly move to to have championship I mean, games on the weekend? The dates.
1: Well, yeah. There's only so much they can do for the dates. Okay. Um. I don't know that they did a gr- like. I don't quote me on this. If this was why they did it, but you know, having the the men's games earlier in the day and the women's games later in the day, I don't know if that was a good decision. Um, you know, Augustana's men playing at 1.30 when you could have had them play at night, you know, they probably would have got a bigger crowd of people from here in Sioux Falls coming out to watch Augie play on a Monday night. The other games, whoever it was, you know, St. Cloud, Duluth, women, no one's going to come to that game no matter what time you play it. You know, whether you play that at 1 o'clock or 6 o'clock, it's going to be the same crowd. It's going to be the parents. If you have a game with some local fans, try to put that one in somewhat of a prime time sort of deal. Yeah. And if Augie had one, They'd be in the, playing in the championship today at four, and then you'd have St. Cloud and Duluth women playing at eight. What sense does that make? Right. I get it. The NSIC is trying to be proactive and try to give the women some, hey, let's put them in the spotlight sometimes too. They did that this year with these double headers where they flipped them and had the yep. men play first. But come on. You know, we, you have to also be practical with some of this stuff too.
0: Okay, so my final thought on this is maybe they play the quarterfinals of this tournament like they do those play-in rounds that, you, like the USF women lost last week. Uh-huh. Play the quarterfinals at campus sites and then just have a weekend, a two or three days, where semifinals and championship. If you want to bring the men and women together again, I think the Northern Sun, their intentions are are great, and you got midco to cover cover all these games, and they all do a great job to make it feel good. And the Pentagon's an awesome venue, but maybe stop. Trying to be identical to the Summit League to have the format that you do, whittle it down to four teams, men and women, and play the championship game on a Saturday or a Sunday. I uh, don't know. I, I mean, I hear what you're the, saying. But but they're, they're, I don't know if that would. They're trying
1: players. to. They want the Pentagon to be a destination that that everyone sort of shoots for. And, I mean, it'd be it'd be ideal, honestly. They could have the whole thing be at the Pentagon and not even have that play-in game on campus, but this is too big of a conference to do that. Yeah. Um, so as it is, they're like I said, they're trying to get it so it's where the Pentagon becomes this destination as much figurative as literal. You know, like we want to get to the Pentagon. You know, that's sort of the yeah. rallying cry for the kids. And um, I just worry that you know that maybe the novelty has worn off a little bit. You know, Augustana's talk of going Division One. I, I wonder if that has impacted it at all. You know, I mean, it's just i don't know i mean the the part of it too is just realities of media you know i was the only reporter out there and i was only out there to cover augie and you know the first few years it was out there there was someone from mankato someone from st cloud some you know almost every school had someone down there covering those games and it's not that you know all of a sudden we decided nobody gives a shit about division two basketball it's The other newspapers have, you know, had the same things happen to them that the Argus Leader did. We used to have five sports people; now we have one or two. Can't afford to just take three days and go somewhere else when there's all this other stuff going on at home. If this tournament was in Aberdeen or Saint Cloud or something, we wouldn't be covering Augustana. We covered it because it was here; it was two miles from my house. You know, so I mean, that's just going to be a reality forever, and it's something that is, I think. Drained some of the enthusiasm for it. The, the, the one positive they still have going for him is Midco still covers the hell out of it, and they do a great job. Yes, they do. Um, but that even that sometimes has a little bit of a almost negative imp- effect and that you're watching on tv going geez you know there's nobody here it's quiet you can sometimes tell that when you're watching it on tv
0: i've always wondered about that whole aspect because it's an age-old thing tv in the old days now tv and streaming these days and it goes down to the high schools of if we carry these uh things mm-hmm. you know how many people use as excuse to stay mid-co home midco a decade ago i don't know when it comes to high school i mean i i have um I've, I've done several games. I did several games this year, and most of them were on Friday nights, and most of them were great city matchups, but that's the point. They were great city matchups. Lincoln-Roosevelt, Washington-Roosevelt, uh, and uh, the gyms were almost full, and we were still, you know, we, mm-hmm. were sti- we were still, this was available to people out in the ether to watch, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe it's because Metro Sports was a new thing this year, but it, it seemed to catch wind pretty quickly and easily with the high school crowd, and it did not um, – did not seem to deter. I don't know, if... and I don't think the Summit League tournament does that very much either. Although it was interesting, I saw Don Plitzowite make a remark yesterday, uh, trying to get all the USD fans out there. Yeah, she and said to, something like,
1: "Don't stay home and watch it on TV yep, or something." Yep, yeah, she did. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. I don't, I,
0: I, can't, I, I don't, I didn't realize she felt, or why she would feel compelled to do that. I mean, the USD crowd continues to grow pretty substantially it does, at that event. Does, but it's still
1: smaller than the SDSU crowd. Yeah, you know, I, I think. N- not trying to criticize Don, and this will probably piss off some USD fans, but I think us a lot of USD fans or USD people are still trying to convince themselves that we have just as many fans, it's just, you know, we can't get tickets or, you know, we're staying home to watch the games or whatever. I, I-, I feel a little bit like Don saying that as if she's almost making excuses for why SDSU fans are always the larger contingent at those games. I don't think that's what it is. I mean, it's- it maybe it's part of it. SDSU was Division One first? They had a. They've been doing this longer. They've had you know, and it, I, I totally sympathize with the USD fans who say it's not fair that the Jacks sort of got to have lay their claim to these tickets that they get to hold on to in perpetuity. That's a thing. I get it, but you can't criticize Jacks fans for being good fans and wanting to hold on to their tickets. I mean, it's you know. That, that is what it is, but having said that, the Jacks are, have a bigger fan base. We have seen that established in, in every way possible. And you throw in the fact that their teams have been more successful, this isn't just about Coyote fans sitting at home watching on TV. Maybe that's part of it. But I think, you know, we, we know who the, the home, quote-unquote, home crowd has been here. And I'll give USD credit. The first couple of years, it was kind of like, are you guys going to do this or not? You know, there was really sort of a sense of like, are they just not going to buy in? And I think it's to the you know probably the women's basketball team is the one that finally got that fan base to say we need to get out here and and show some support. Uh, you know what's it going to be like for the men's game? I guess we'll see. It's been a couple of years now too. You know we we have no idea how that's going to. They always that,
0: seem to play on Sunday night too, which I don't know brings a smaller crowd than Saturday night. It yeah. doesn't help. Well, they were but. the one seed one year,
1: and you know
0: they were. Yeah. And uh, but I like the fact that they're on Sunday night. It gives uh, at, for someone like me one game to be right. truly Same. interested yeah. in on on Sunday. Uh, but okay, let's uh, start. Let's start with the men. The women, we know where we're headed, and there's big news for SDSU that we'll get to in a moment. But the men should be more compelling, even though the Jackrabbits are 18 and 0, which is an incredible accomplishment. Never been done in the Summit League before to run the table, at least with that many games. Uh, but it. It feels like there's more challengers, there's more teams that could win outside of South Dakota State than there are in the women's for teams outside of USD and SDSU.
1: No one outside of South Dakota is going to win the women's tournament. They're just not, and everyone knows it. Uh, On the men's side, yeah, SDSU won the league by five games. That's a huge margin. But I think everyone, whether they will admit it or not, that makes them a little nervous. Nervous if you're an SDSU fan or – You know, a little anxious, excited if you're not an SDSU fan. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you. There are USD and NDSU fans right now looking at the Jacks, going, "Cool, I'm glad you won 18-0. That's just going to make it all the more satisfying when you get beat in the conference tournament, which we know you're going to. I guarantee you, there are fans of the Coyotes and Bison saying that,
0: and they might be right. But well, it's back-to-back first-round exits or back-to-back-to-back. Uh, no,
1: no, no. They uh, they got they no, got I'm knocked sorry. out in the first round. Dom's senior year. Then the next year, I don't remember if it was first or second round. It was first. Was it when okay. they lost to Fort Wayne? Was... Yeah. Hendo's first year. Okay. And then last year it was the second round when they got beat by Oral Oral Roberts Roberts on a tip-in, yeah. which that one was easily the most forgivable of the three. It was like, hey, you know. But it's been
0: four years since they've been to the championship game. That's amazing. Yeah, they used to be there. They used to own it. Yeah.
1: Um, Well, basically ever since they moved to the Premier Center, you know, it seems like they've had a tougher time harnessing that home crowd advantage than they did uh, in the arena. And, um, you know, it's funny because obviously there's all this, it's not fair, it's a home court advantage. For the women, I think you can make a case there. The SJC women seem to just know how to harness that crowd, how to play to that crowd. The men seem to – it seems to just tighten their buttholes and they don't play yeah. as well. Like, you you get the sense there, like, oh, everyone expects us to win. This is hard. Like, that seems to be how they play half the time. And uh, – So getting to the SDSU men, I mean, that's the obvious storyline is, geez, you won 18-0, and but now that just means there's all this pressure on you. Whoever you play in the tournament, you're going to have to three straight times beat a team for the third time this year. And for as much as coaches and players can shrug their shoulders and go, oh, that's a cliche, the whole three times in one year. No, it's not. Or or better yet, it is a cliche because it's true, because we've seen it so many times. It's hard to beat a team for the third time in one season. Um, And, you know, yeah, they're going to do it to Omaha. That's not going to be a problem. But USD, Kansas City, that'll be tougher. And then assume, assuming they get through that round, they're going to have to play either North Dakota State or Oral Roberts in the championship. And those two teams played them tough both times. Yep. Those are two really good teams. Are the Jacks going to be able to beat them a third straight time? I don't care if you're, what your record is, 18-0. and 0. I don't care if they were 31-0 and 0 overall. That's going to make you nervous. That's hard
0: to do. You know, it's remarkable because the records dominant at 18 and 0, they're what top 5 in the nation in scoring, they're top 5 in the nation in three-pointers.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah, I mean, and so you you think like, wow, that's an 800-pound gorilla and and yet you just mentioned all the teams that have challenged them. That included Thursday night in Tulsa, which should be their hardest game of the year because Oral right. Roberts is the second-best team and uh, beat them last year in the Summit Tourney. It goes to over 106-102 in overtime. Something like that. I mean, was that as good of I I uh, had the pleasure of listening to that, driving away from my high school game at Roosevelt and hearing the last couple minutes of regulation and then overtime with Tyler Merriam on the call. It was sens- it sounded sensational. Was that it was a fantastic of, game. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. As good as you've seen in a while? I, I mean,
1: <laughs> most of the time when those two teams play, it's pretty entertaining. Same yeah. with when they play North Dakota State. And so, yeah, that's why it's, you know, if I were a Jacks fan, I'd be very, very nervous about having to beat one of those teams a third time. Who? Now, having said oh, that, okay. the, the, the difference is, you know, we were just talking the other day about this, how we've seen SDSU squeeze the ball too tight in this scenario. This team doesn't seem like they do that because – you know, they got to be, like, 8-0, and 9-0, 10-0, 11-0. That's when you start saying, like, geez, this is quite a winning streak they got going here. Like, what if they run the table? And Hendo kept saying, like, eh, you know, we got a lot of road games left. Yet, like, he never came right out and said it, but he kind of seemed to say, like, I doubt we'll run the table. Then you get to the end, it's like, are you going to do that? And they did it. They've already had this pressure on them all year, and they seem to know how to handle it. Uh, You know, they seem to they've been dealing with the distraction of the Noah Friedel thing all year. If there's a team that that can handle that pressure, I, I think this is that team. You know, I think Baylor Shireman obviously is that kind of leader. You know, they go as he goes sort of guy and Doug Wilson, Charlie Easley. I mean, they just have this is a team that has the personality, I think, that can handle all this. So they're the favorite. They should win it. But it's going to be hard, you know. I don't care that they're eighteen and zero, and the next best team is thirteen and five. It's going to be hard.
0: So, will Kansas City or USD present the bigger challenge on Monday night in the semis?
1: Mm, I would say in a vacuum it would maybe be Kansas City, but I think given the environment, it would be USD. Yeah. Summer league tournament rivalry game. Sure. It'll be a Pro Jacks crowd, but there will be a lot of USD fans there too.
0: Uh, was it was a USD double digits both times against the Yotes? And I understand um, USD was in different circ kind of. I don't
1: remember. I don't have the s- stats in front of me. They didn't. The, the Coyotes didn't play them as tough as Oral Roberts and North Dakota State did. Uh, but the first one in, in Frost, the Coyotes barely had a full roster. And yeah. they still at least sort of hung with them. And then the uh, the second game was in uh, Vermilion. I didn't get to watch that one, but. You know, Jack's took care of business on the road, which they did all year. I mean, that part of the impressive thing about going eighteen and zero is it means you went nine and zero on the road. Yep. And they did that. So.
0: And apparently they did it with uh, big crowd in Tulsa, like it was actually an environment. I've, I think they
1: gave away free tickets. Well, like, yeah, th-
0: that shows right. you. I, <laughs> as someone who works in minor league sports now, I'm kind of a proponent of that happening sometimes. Right. right. You know, or five dollar tickets, something like that. Uh, it tends to work. Um, might not work for your bottom line as much as you'd like but the visual
1: probably works better than having the highest price tickets in your league but
0: uh yes i have no (laughs) idea what you're talking about i'm not i'm not on the business end of it let's talk about the stampede yeah oh okay (laughs) well you get ten thousand for wiener dog night that'll uh (laughs) pays for a lot um so uh the women's side I, you know, like, yeah, it feels like it, we're on a collision course There's here. There's not a lot
1: to say, yeah. Uh, I ex- mean,
0: except for... Uh, Paige Myers out.
1: Um, I don't know if she actually tore her ACL. AJ doesn't get very specific, you know, on diagnoses of injuries or anything. But I had heard that she was fitted for a brace, and it was a pretty ugly injury at the time. And and for AJ to come out today, like, you have to sort of speak AJ to sort of figure out what injuries are. If he, <laughs> sa- if he says something like... We might have her. We don't know for sure. That means she's probably not going to play. If he says we're not going to have her for at least the summer league tournament, that means she's probably out for the year. And that's what he said—that he doesn't expect to have her for the summer league tournament. I assume that means she's completely done. And if they make the NCAA tournament, she won't be available for that either. We'll see. I mean, last year Tori Nelson appeared to have suffered a season-ending injury, and she came back. So, um, but you know, they got to get there first, and that obviously is going to be a huge challenge as it is.
0: I'm a little surprised he said she's out for the Summit League tournament. Why would why would yeah. he, why would he play that? I hand? mean, just
1: because she's going to be sitting on the bench in a knee brace, I suppose, and you know, you might as well, you know, your players take an interest in how those things are presented and how they're, you know, don't make the players lie, you know, or because or you know, put them in some weird situation. Just be up. Hey, she's not going to play. We don't have her. Yeah. Time to move on. No sense crying over spilled milk. We don't have Paige Meyer. Let's move forward. And I think that's what he's doing.
0: Speak AJ. Are there any other AJ-isms or AJ language? There
1: probably are. None (laughs) that come to mind immediately.
0: Um, So, but how much does this impact them? She's She's their their second best player. She's their second best player, yeah. I mean, at least she has been
1: this year. And, I mean, she's their starting point guard, and she's a really good one. I mean, they, you know, they have – the good news is – I don't even know if I'd say it's the good news. There's there's good news and bad news in, in repl- trying to replace her. The good news is there are experienced players ready to step in. Uh, Haley Greer and Lindsey Thunick will be the ones who get the most of the minutes with Paige out. Now, the good news is both of those players have a lot of experience. They're veterans who have had their share of good moments. The bad news is they've had their share of bad moments, too. Uh, Haley Greer had 20 some points in her Jackrabbit debut last year. It was like, hey, they got a player here. And then for most of the rest of the season, she was pretty invisible and at times just couldn't make a shot. Now, she's come back this year in a different role. They haven't asked her as much of her. She's been coming off the bench, and she's done a nice job. I think by – did you go out again? Nope. Oh. No, we're good. Um, I think by kind of lowering her sights a little bit, she's been a better player. But now they're going to have to ask more of her in this role. Uh, Lindsay Thunick's a player who – she can get hot and carry him for stretches. She can be a hot shooter that can s- score in bunches, but then she's just very streaky. There will be games where, she, hey, she doesn't have it tonight. You might as well put her back on the bench because she's not going to help you. So now they're going to have to rely on two players who are inconsistent. You know, if they're going good, that's good. Okay. If they're not going good, then Maya Sellin and Tori Nelson better play really well.
0: And it shouldn't affect them the first two rounds, but boy, I it think would so. hurt them against US I mean, last
1: year they lost to Omaha eight seed in the first round. But they were without Maya, Maya Selland, sell who I think makes an even bigger impact than, than Paige Meyer or anyone else. Yeah. I don't think – all due respect, we could know, find out we're wrong, but I don't think the Jacks have any are really in any danger of losing to anyone other than USD, even without Paige Meyer.
0: Right. Uh, do you still feel like they'll get an at-large bid if they lose in the championship Still? Game?
1: I never said they would. Oh, okay. I've, I've said all along that they have a shot because some other people said, nope, no shot this year, and I, I disagree with that. I think there's a – I think SDSU has a better shot than USD um, just because they're slightly higher than them in the net rankings, obviously, but also they have a, a signature win, I guess you could say, in that they beat UCLA when UCLA was ranked. Yeah. USD does not have a comparable win. Uh, SDSU has you know, played half the season without Maya Sellin. Now they're playing without Paige Meyer. AJ says the com- committee takes those things into account. If he's right, then that would work in their favor. Um, but I don't know. I could see USD getting an at-large bid, too, just because both of these schools have established themselves. And I think that plays into it, too. Like, yeah, they look at your net rating and, you know, all these different things, strength of schedule, whatever. But when your program gets to a point where it's like, we know these teams, they have proven to us that they can play at this level, I think that stands for something, too. So
0: They know them, but when it comes to SDSU, two or three years ago they – Make the Sweet 16. Sweet 16. Yeah, they've won uh, multiple tournament games. USD's still looking for its first win. Exactly. It would have been yeah. three years ago because uh, we had no NCAA tournament two years ago with COVID. But uh, with USD, yeah, they they bow out in the first round, and it was an I, I, embarrassing would be a big word, but that was a um, virtual no show in in their NCAA tournament game last year. I Oregon, you know. I think it was. Oh yeah. It was like twenty to nothing. Or so something. I don't know how I much know. those one games in the NCAA tournament uh, impacts a decision like that. But yes, overall, they're very much a brand that. Every Everybody uh, mm-hmm. that knows the women's game knows about now. Uh, ha- okay, so having said all this, I think you're without a, a player of Paige Meyer's impact. But again, if it's SDSU-USD women probably Tuesday championship game, there's going to be slightly more Jacks fans there. And as you said, whether they're the one, two, or three seed on any given year... It's just it's just Jackrabbit magic in that place, and I've seen it get to USD when USD's had a better team. Not that USD, you know, Amy Williams beat, uh, I don't know if they even had to play the Jacks back in 2014 when they beat Denver for the title, but, you know, I mean, they beat SDSU in a heated championship game when USD was the favorite a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they haven't shown they're capable of doing it, but you always get a sense on that championship Tuesday if the Jackrabbits are there, like, you know. Something something, funky is going to happen.
1: It's like I said, I, and I, I've said this to them a couple times, too. No team in this Summit League tournament, men's or women's, uses the crowd better than the SDSU yeah. women. They have just found the right yeah. formula, for lack yeah. of a better word, of knowing how to not be overwhelmed by that, not feel the pressure of it, but say, like, yeah, we're going to thrive on that. Yeah. This crowd is going to push us towards victory. Yeah. The men seem to struggle with that, yeah. and the USD teams seem to – I don't know if I'd say struggle with it, but they just don't get this. And to be fair to the teams, it's not quite the same. It's not as big of a boost necessarily, especially yep. when they're playing against SDSU. Yep. But that's by far the, the biggest thing that AJ's team has going for it is they get into that game and they're like, we can't wait for this crowd to impact the game.
0: Yep. And I don't think the other teams look at it that way. Uh, I can't wait. This will be a lot of fun. Now, uh, when it comes to people like me who don't watch a lot of Summit League basketball, but they're going to be... All eyes are locked in a little bit more on these Summit Tourney games, or at least the one the Jacks and the Yotes play. Uh, I'm sure part of your previewing today was also um, looking back on the season that was. Who are some of the who are the players of the year, men's and women's? Who are the people to watch? And stuff um, to see. I voted
1: for Baylor Shireman for Player of the Year, and i would be absolutely shocked if he doesn't win it. He led the league in rebounds and assists, and was third in scoring and third in field goal. I mean, he almost led the league in every category. I mean, he's an insanely good, versatile player who – it's funny, they talk about, like, is he a point guard? Is he a – you know, I say call him a quarterback because that's what he played in high school football, and that's literally the role he fills for this basketball team. He is the quarterback of that team, and he plays basketball like a quarterback. The game slows down for him. You you watch the way he runs that floor and just, like, he is in total control, and he is fun to watch. Then you throw in a guy like Doug Wilson, who was the MVP of this league a couple years ago – And now he's almost sort of like an afterthought at times. Still an incredibly athletic, energetic player who's very good on both ends. But then just the thing, they're shooting 45% as a team from three-point range. I don't think people understand how insane that is. Like, usually the best three-point shooter in the country is shooting right around 45%. Like, they as a team are shooting what the league leader would shoot. And as a team, they're shooting 55% from the floor overall, at least in some league games. Their offensive efficiency is just off the charts because they have this stud in the middle, Doug Wilson, who you can just throw it into him, and he can either dunk it or he's got great back-to-the-basket moves, and he's also a great passer. So when they start putting attention on him, he kicks it out of the post. Someone's open for three, and all four of the other guys are 40 to 50% three-point shooters. So I mean, it's just—it's very, very hard to defend them.
0: Alex Arians go for thirty-one or Luke
1: uh, Apple went for forty-one Luke Apple, the other day. He's another inside guy. He's—he's he's basically their backup post. Although him and Doug Wilson can play together as they did against Oral Roberts and they killed them. They had seventy points between the two of them. Um, but yeah, you bring him off the bench. That's just another weapon they have. But they have literally four or five guys who are all shooting between forty-five and fifty percent from three-point range. That makes you pretty, pretty slump-proof because if. One guy's just not feeling it that night. Two or three other guys are. And then you throw on top of it. I was watching one of their um, recent games. Uh, Our buddy Brad Newitt was saying after the game, maybe you don't see it statistically because they play at such a fast pace. There's a lot of possessions. But he's like, they might be the best defensive team in the league too. Yeah, they give up 72 points a game or whatever. But think, you know, how many possessions there are in a given SDSU game. They're they're very efficient on defense too. And you see it. I mean – we mentioned that you know the overtime game against Earl Roberts, a couple games against North Dakota State, but for the most part, you know they were taking care of business this year, home and away, because they're just that good on both ends of the floor.
0: So, which of them are in your mind? We'll find out not through the uh, usual grand Summit League press conference on whatever it is, Thursday or Friday of the tournament, Thursday, because they're not doing it. Uh, but uh, so. How many Jacks make the—we'll uh, just go with your first and second uh, um, all-conference teams. Well, I think they
1: have teams. a 10-player all-conference all, all conference first team, which is kind of weird, but— Yes. Um, Baylor okay. and Doug, for sure.
0: Um, would they be—if it were a five-player team, would possibly, they both be on it? Possibly.
1: I mean, kay. you got Max Acemus, um, led the nation in scoring last year. He's leading the conference in scoring this year. He's still a very good, dynamic player. Um, Rocky Cruiser for North Dakota State is a great player who's really fun to watch. 6'10", big man who can shoot the three. Um, he's 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 really good. I, I love watching North Dakota State play. I love watching the Jacks in North Dakota State play because the Bison, year after year, you know, sometimes you know Dave Richman, I think, is such a good coach in that whatever you give him, he finds a way to make it work. And once again, here they are this year. They're the number two seed. When they went into the year, like, what do they got? I don't know, Rocky Cruiser, Sam Griesel, and – We'll see what else. They're thirteen and five, and they played the Jacks tough twice. If I was a Jacks fan, I'd be scared shitless of having to beat them a third time. Hmm. So you got that um, more than
0: Oral Roberts. What's that? More than Oral Roberts. Um, well,
1: those two. Like, well, okay. the Jacks aren't going to have to beat them both though. They're yeah. going to play each other in the semi. So that's what I'm saying. Who whichever they... those teams comes out, the Jacks. well they play in the championship. yes. That's their tough one. Yeah. Um, you know, Kansas City has some good players. We, you know, watching their game the other night, I was really impressed with uh, their big man, and they got some guards that are good. Uh, you know, you have to give a lot of credit to what Todd Lee did this year at USD, losing their two best players, uh, Cruz Parrot Hunt and Mason. I definitely voted for Mason Archambault on the all-conference team. He was one of uh, our players to watch in our, our tournament preview. Um, it's It's – you mentioned – you said it. Well, at the top of this podcast, like the Jacks are the dominant team; they're eighteen and zero. But there's three, four other teams that are really good too, and yeah. there's a lot of talent in the league this year. Too. That's the nice thing; it's getting harder and harder in mid-major basketball to see a lot of great players because they'll leave. You yes. know, they have a good year and they go, "Well, screw it. I'm going to a higher higher level. I'm going to enter the portal." And maybe that'll happen again after this year, yeah. uh, but right now there's there's a lot of good players in this league, and that's going to make for a fun tournament. Yeah,
0: Max, uh, how much uh, did Oral Roberts drop off much at all from yeah, last
1: year? Yeah, because um, their number Kevin O'Banner was their second best player that's last it. year. Okay. They're, bi- they're big, and uh, he transferred to uh,
0: Texas Tech. I, I, I
1: don't know. I don't
0: well, know where Ace Ace went, but he went. Be Ace sticks around. So, yeah, which is Ace great. stuck
1: around, and they still have some other dudes. They okay. they have two other guys that can really shoot it. Um, they're a good team. I mean, and they've kind of become a little bit of uh, villains in the league too because everyone hates Paul Mills, their coach. And
0: why do they hate Paul Mills?
1: I mean, he's an aloof guy, for one thing. He's just yeah. he's just weird. Um, yeah. But then also, you know, they've gotten a couple of fights this year. He well, yeah. it was the one after the North Dakota State game where, you know, they're they're fouling down fifteen with a minute left. So Dave Richmond says, "All right, shove it up their ass." So the Bison go down and dunk it because if you're gonna keep playing, we're gonna keep playing. They get into it in the half in the handshake line, and next thing you know, guys are running around the court throwing punches and stuff. And um, the league had to dole out some punishment. And I would say. Uh Paul Mills and Or Roberts came off looking worse than that than Dave Richmond and NDSU did certainly. Well,
0: reputation precedes you as well. A little bit, yeah. Uh, and that was just a precursor to Jawan Howard and Greg Guard. Uh, <laughs> yes, it was. So, what do you think? And then Tom Izzo's remarks about how that doesn't mean that thing shouldn't keep us from doing the uh, post game ceremonial handshake. You, you, you know, did, did you see the Izzo bit? I some of it. Okay, so I mean, we saw the Howard versus Guard thing, and that was all. You know, somebody's pressing when they're. You know, late, blah, blah, blah. That was over the same kind of shit that the North Dakota State Oral Roberts fight broke out. And we saw no. Juan Howard actually uh, punch or hit in the face mm-hmm. Joe Krabinoff, mm-hmm. the Sioux Falls kid. So, uh, what, so what are your feelings on that? So Tom Izzo came out the next day after uh, obviously some people, fans, media, whatever. I didn't read or, uh, a whole lot, but you know people are gonna say you've been. He- I've been hearing it for a few years now. Let's just do away with this. And then COVID came and they stopped doing it. Yeah. It's like we'll do the wave, goodbye, right. see you later. Right. And some people are like, let's just keep doing. Let's just even though it's not COVID anymore. Tom Izzo's like. If I can't, you know, what has society, you know, what does society and basketball come to when if I get my ass kicked, I can't go and shake somebody's hand? I mean, he's not, what not wrong. What are we teaching our kids? He's not
1: wrong, but also, like, why are we. The whole sportsmanship, like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I really. You once don't you seem get to care. I don't. I mean, it, <laughs> I, I, not that I don't care about sportsmanship. Right. I think it's important. No, I didn't mean and that. And I think. um. It's always better to be a good sport than not. I, You know, I yeah. respect and admire coaches and parents and players that that stress the importance of, of that. But having these forced, you know, oh, you have to go shake hands. Like FCS football, they do – that, or maybe it's just the Missouri Valley. They do the pregame handshake where everyone walks across the field and shakes hands. Like, oh. why? Why? You know, you're making them do it, so it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's if it's not genuine, I don't even care. I, You know, we need – I, don't know, I could go on about, and yet you know, they
0: don't, or at least SDSU doesn't go out for the national anthem. They don't, they don't prescribe to that. For football, like, we got to no. be out there. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because, so take it, I, early, I I handshakes, I waves. I,
1: I think, in you know, I'm kind of a Michigan fan, but Juwan Howard was a jackass that day, and oh, he's yeah. very lucky he still has his job. Right. Um, <laughs> you're pressing down whatever, and he calls a timeout. Because, yeah, he's got his walk-ons out there trying to survive. Like, what a pussy. Like, I just can't believe Juwan Howard. Even yeah. And then that after the game, he had the audacity to, like, not apologize and act like, oh, I was – like, he clearly didn't come clean until his own athletic director said, oh, do you realize yeah. what an idiot you are yeah, and well, that could, I'm thinking yeah. about
0: firing you? Yeah, yeah, he said nothing at the post-game press conference that suggested an apology right. or that anything. Right. Would, and then, yeah, and then, the, yeah. of course, the statement. I and mean, yeah. some of these coaches
1: that – are so like it just goes to show how narcissistic some coaches are oh, that no you know everything I do is perfectly defensible and acceptable and why could you ever question anything I do, and then the other coach who most reasonable people go no actually that guy's the reasonable one then they're like can you believe what he did you know he called a timeout he called he, he calls a timeout I'm gonna punch him in. the... Yeah. I just I just have trouble understanding where these guys' heads are at sometimes. There's but. part
0: of me that's always been entertained by it. I've seen it a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, it was that was hilarious. He yeah. punched Joe Crabbit off in the face. Well it's not just it doesn't the, mean
1: he's not insane. It's
0: not just the punch. <laughs> no, it's not just the punch. It's these little stupid tricks that they're playing. Yeah. Are we gonna back off? Yeah. Are we gonna keep well, fouling? Well, we see it in at, football. At How often do we do you,
1: yeah. debate about running up yeah. the score in football? Yeah. And it's like
0: Yeah. Are you playing
1: the game or not?
0: It's fun to say. Oh, this guy's gonna. This guy just wants to be an asshole. Okay, that's kind of funny. Yeah. But uh, you know, the same, especially the timeout thing. I've seen this in high school as well. Not so much South Dakota, but uh, you know, just oh, a a team's down by eleven. They score a quick bucket or hit a three-pointer with 40 seconds left to cut it to eight. Timeout! You know, they mm-hmm. just keep mm-hmm. taking timeouts, mm-hmm. uh, even though they know they're mm-hmm. probably going to lose. And I'm like, what is that coach doing? Well, right, fine,
1: but know. then don't get yeah. mad when the other team keeps playing, too. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So, uh, all right. with On the women's side, players to watch, you've mentioned uh, Maya Selen. Is she your player of the year?
1: No. I mean, she didn't play much this year. So you know, I'm Or sure. at least, you know, her numbers are way down because she was... Okay. You know, working her way back. I, I voted for her for all-conference team. but Hannah Shervin? Yeah, I voted for Hannah Shervin.
0: Is, is is she, was she obvious this year?
1: I don't think so. I mean, it could go to Chloe Lamb, you know, her teammate. It could go to, I mean, I don't know how you could possibly vote for anyone. My take with the women is, like, I think there's, of the ten first-team all-conference, I voted eight Coyotes and Jacks, or nine. Whoever was on the list of candidates, I voted for all of them. And yeah, that means I voted for someone from SDSU or USD who's averaging 10 points per game over someone for Denver who's averaging 18 points a game or something. But (laughs) they're that much better than everyone else. I'm not trying to spread it around based on who scored the points or whatever. I mean, Borowitz for North Dakota led the league in scoring. She was maybe my one non-South Dakota kid who made my ballot. Uh, but player of the year for me, I mean, Hannah Shervin maybe isn't the most dominant offensive player in the league, but she's a really good offensive player. Then you throw in how dominant she's on defense as a shot blocker and rebounder, I mean, kind of seemed like a no-brainer
0: to me. Okay. Um, anybody else to watch for out there?
1: <laughs> yeah, anyone on USD or <laughs> SDC? I mean, I, you know, there you go. Okay. There's, there's some good players on the yeah. other teams, but don't get me wrong, but I just, you know, the, the, the gap between the two South Dakota schools and everyone else is, is so big. I, I don't, you know. I don't see anything interesting happening till Tuesday.
0: Anything interesting you want to uh, give us a tease about with when it comes to the Argus Leader Summit League Tournament preview section?
1: Uh, I wrote a story on Doug Wilson and how uh, interestingly enough, he's in his third year with the Jacks, but this is his first time playing in the Summit League Tournament at the Premier Center. Last year it was in the Pentagon and the year before that he was hurt and sat out and that that's was part right. of why they got beat by Fort Wayne. Um, so, that's interesting to see him finally getting a chance to make an impact out there and um, he's it, Part of the story, too, is how Baylor Shireman and the three-point shooting has got so much attention this year, you kind of forget just how good Doug really is. Mm-hmm. And he's chomping at the bit to make an impact there. Our cover story, um, Mike McCleary wrote a feature on the three big seniors for USD, Hannah Shervin, Chloe Lamb, and Liv Korngable, three of the best players in the league. And that three-headed monster is why USD is so dominant and the reason why I think Obviously, now with Paige Meyer out. But even before Paige got hurt, I would have favored USD in this tournament just because they got three seniors, you know, that are – and obviously the Jacks have some seniors too. But that that group, those three, I'm pretty sure they're motivated to go out not just by getting into the NCAA yeah. tournament but winning a game. We mentioned they haven't won one yet. They're yeah. a highly motivated group. Yeah. That, that's who I think is going to win it.
0: Sure. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, I'm, say, and, you know, just
1: as, as far as the tournament itself, like I'm really interested to see what it's going to look like. You know, because we talked about this is our first one post-pandemic. And you look around sports at all different levels, all different sports. Like, it's kind of been a little tough to, like, certain places. Like, SDSU football. I thought attendance would be terrible this fall. Coming off the pandemic, coming off the spring season, we're still kind of easing our way back into normalcy from the pandemic, you know, how many people are vax, masks, all that crap? Like, what what kind of crowds are we going to see? I thought we would see smaller ones than usual. We saw bigger ones. Looked like people couldn't wait to go back to see SDSU football games. Great. Is it going to be like that everywhere? You know, we've seen some places attendance is up, some places attendance yes. are down. Are people going to be like, eh, I kind of got used to not going to things now. You know, I kind of got used to staying home. Or are they going to be like, it's been two years since I've been to this thing. I want to go, you know, I want to go out and go back to experience that summer League tournament thing, so. I don't think we're going to set attendance records, but I think they're going to be big crowds.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I'm not, it's, it's a valid concern. I just, I'm just assuming uh, that it's – and the weather could play a part as well. I mean, if the weather were like it was today, then people are going to drive from right. the hinterlands to come out here and uh, Hinterlands. It's to be
1: shitty on Saturday, right? But, if,
0: but Yeah, it can't be a Summit League tournament without a little uh, ice storm or something like that, and that, that certainly could keep people away. But uh, with with – literally and figuratively roads being clear to get there and that also means any restrictions of which there are none Mm -hmm. um then uh yeah i would think that we should see some monster crowds especially if the jackson yotes men meet up on monday night that could be a that could be it could be huge um i i god i i i wrestle with even bringing this up but like in Nebraska this year in Lincoln I don't know what they're doing for high school state tournaments but for Husker games uh, and I think high school sporting events they require they've, they've required mask wearage uh, in the city of Lincoln I, it would be interesting in South Dakota <laughs> the South Dakota spirit of most people. And I put that in quotation marks, kind of sarcastically, uh, of if the summit only required masks and how many people we would be seeing at these games. I think we'd have a lot of chin diapers is what we'd have. <laughs> They'd wear them in there and then right. they would, uh, right. they would all make the visual statement of screw this, but.
1: Uh, I haven't worn a mask once since I got vaccinated. No
0: one likes wearing masks. Whether, what do you, you feel about vaccinations or restrictions or what, no one likes to wear a mask. I think most people are united on that. Actually Saturday Night Live, Holy shit! Had a really funny skit about this. I heard about
1: it. I didn't see it. On,
0: it was just it how how you could artfully play to both basically play to both sides, especially the quote unquote liberal side of the vaccination and mask and COVID issue uh, to tap into some of the doubts of the quote unquote liberals and people who you know are thumbs up on the vaxes and and mask wearing. Um, it was I, I all I can say is. You know, watch it if you're interested in that. But we're all we, we're all COVID fatigued out anyway. So um, I'm just saying it was uh, it was a good commentary on our times. The Saturday Night Live vax and mandate mask uh, skit. Uh, quick drop in from Coyote Eric. He said a couple of weeks ago he was a little harsh toward Matt you for not knowing that AJ Plitzow White was out for 15 months. I thought that was pretty widely understood after having the dislocated knee. With ligament tears. Um, well, I just,
1: USD fans were always asking me when he was coming back. So, yeah. You know. uh,
0: considering he got injured in late February, this was always a lost season. Uh, they tried to bring in, okay, he just brings in the guy, Walt, McGray, Walt McGrory, as a grad transfer, got cancer. Yeah. You mentioned that. One other thing I failed to mention uh, about the whole Craig Lee to Todd Smith transition, says Coyote Eric.
1: Craig Smith to Todd Lee. What did I say? Are you dyslexic?
0: I must be. I can't. This happens more and more. And I'm You're only, getting old. You're I know. Old. I've only had. I've had <laughs> almost a full IPA. That's it. It's not like I'm drunk. Uh, it, it, like it, this happens during ball games as well. I'll say the wrong team. I'll say the wrong score. It doesn't Ooh, happen a lot. On the air. Uh, you losing your touch. Not anymore, I guess. That I never knew I had one. But this Craig Smith to Todd Lee transition. I think it's also worth remembering that Craig's first two years, he was bailing water and holding things down with duct tape while trying to bring in recruits. In his second year, Mooney was redshirting. Year three, they moved into the new place, Sanford Coyote Sports Center. Boom, they took off. Craig almost left for Drake. Boy, I remember that. What an adventure that was uh, after that season as they'd won the Summit League regular season title. And didn't you report that it was a done deal? I did not report that was a done deal. There's very, very, uh, there's words, and I tried to choose my words carefully. It was a tweet. Um, it,
1: uh... No one cares. Anyway.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Craig, well, that's that's harsh, but okay. Uh, Craig almost left for Drake. They got their hearts broken by Michael Orris. Craig ran it back for one more year with the team, got beat in the finals, off to Utah State, blah, blah, blah. Now Craig definitely left the program in better shape than when he got it. We shall see how next season goes for Todd Lee after AJ returns and this roster has matured a year. I believe he will be a, in a contract year next year. Coyote Eric talking about Todd Lee. Uh, so that so we shall see if they play it out before deciding to extend him or if he gets a new deal this summer. And I that wonder, would be interesting. And I wonder how much what is going to happen at the at the Denny Sunday, Monday, and possibly Tuesday that would have to do with that. Well, I mean, if he how goes to
1: the NCAA tournament, obviously he's yeah. gold. And if he yeah. loses in the first round, that doesn't help his chances. I don't he, know. I mean, I think tons, Todd's done a really good job. I, I do, you know, yeah, with, I do too. with what he's had. Um, but I've also heard that there's people down there who don't think too highly of him. So, if that's the case, that'll play into it.
0: Yeah, I think per- potentially what happens then, uh, uh, at the Summit League tournament will have a little bit more to do with how they feel about him going forward, which is what makes these games that much fun.
1: Well, and on top of that, if if the Jacks go to the net, go to the NCAA tournament, at that point they'd be what thirty and four. And whether they lose in the first round of the NCAA tournament, or or finally win a game, or something, I mean, Hendo's got to be getting some attention too. I mean, what he's done in his three years there is pretty impressive. I th-
0: do you think he should already? Or, or I'm w- just
1: like when he got hired, like a lot of Jacks fans to this day don't like TJ Otzelberger, and I think that's stupid. Why? Like, because he left. Because how <laughs> dare he not stay here and live in Brookings, South Dakota, his whole life when he could be making two million dollars a year coaching Iowa State. Anyway, um, yeah. there was this idea that, oh, Hendo's not going to do us dirty like TJ did. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, Hendo said some things, like, in his introductory, like, yeah, I'm not, like, looking for the first train out of here, which, great, that doesn't mean you're not going to listen when someone comes along and offers you a better deal. Of
0: course, and I appreciate the honesty And what that.
1: he's doing, I, mean, I think he was just kind of trying to tell people a little bit what they wanted to hear. Sure. If he gets a great offer after this season, he's gone. Yeah. Like, there's not going to be any, like, oh, well, I told Jax fans I wasn't looking to leave, so, I mean, there's a lot of Jax fans, and... To, to be fair, there's a lot of Jax fans who totally get it. But there's also a segment of Jax fans who are always going to have this sort of Division two mentality that they expect everyone to be John Stigelmeyer and you know want to live here for the rest of their lives. It doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah, you know. right. Well, I, I hadn't even thought about it until this point. This could be it for Eric Henderson. Good. You never know. I mean, yeah. I, y, y, if you look at that resume, I mean, if Craig's I, when Craig Smith went to Utah State, I was—I I don't remember our discussions, but I was kind of thinking it felt like at the time, you gotta win if you're in the Summit League. You gotta win that tournament. You gotta be in the NCAA tournament for schools like a Utah State in the Mountain West Conference, which is just barely on the second tier of the of the big conferences. You, I mean. You, you, you got to get, get to that NCAA tournament, and then Craig can go to the NCAA tournament and charm everybody at those press conferences. I think everybody. you put
1: more stock in that than most people well, do. Well, but,
0: but at least you're there, and you've made it, and you could. You he know. was
1: there with Nebraska. That's still the best thing on Craig's resume is being. Well, he got you know, yet
0: yeah, th- those ten. There's those fifteen or twenty minutes that he actually got to head coach the team. Not even that. Just okay. you know
1: that he was yeah. the top assistant on a Nebraska team that went to. The
0: but team. anyway, he just won a Summit League title and had a nice record his last two years, and uh, and and you, you, he he got on the Utah State. State train and then get to Utah two years later. He was mm-hmm. phenomenal at Utah State. So my point in saying that is, you don't, you know, Hendo does not need to reach the NCAA tournament and win the Summit League championship to get potentially uh, no. some and other I'm schools. No, and I'm not predicting
1: that this is his last year at SDSU. I'm just saying no. if it is, you should not be surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the arguably, I mean, I guess if you insist on still calling Gonzaga a mid-major team take them out of it they're arguably the best them and Murray State they're the two best mid-major teams in the country
0: yep all right And big
1: schools look for mid-major coaches to that's where they get them yeah
0: so the final piece is uh how much do you care and how closely are you watching these whole baseball uh labor negotiations um
1: I'm it's sounding like they're nearing the finish line and maybe they're going to get something done so that's encouraging do you Uh,
0: believe that I get, I mean, yeah, I guess it today. sounds
1: like I think people. I think both sides are starting to understand what's at stake. I think Jeff Passon's column on ESPN.com the other day made a big impact. If you haven't read it, you should. Jeff Passan does exactly what no one in the NFL media will ever do, and calls out the league itself and the owners and the commissioner and says these guys suck and they're ruining our sport. Um, and I think you know the line in his story was, "If you replace the best 1,200 baseball players in the world." With the next best 1,200 baseball players in the world, baseball is going to be a lot worse. But if you replace the 30 owners with just 30 random businessmen, not only will they do just as good, they'll probably do better. <laughs> so yeah. that should tell you who you should, whose side you should be on in this thing. Um, it really feels like baseball's owners don't want to play games. They don't like this. I mean, they <laughs> they hired a commissioner in Rob Manfred who clearly does not like baseball.
0: Didn't he come from the NFL? Uh,
1: at one point, but he okay. was he was Bud Selig's right hand man yeah, for a yeah. long. But he's by far the worst commissioner in sport, pro sports, which is saying something. He's far worse than Bud Selig, which is saying something. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all going on, coming off a of pandemic, World War III is about to start, like all this shit is happening, and baseball's over here going, eh, we're fighting. Like, it just, it could not be a worse look. And I get it that people don't want to sympathize with the players because they're making insane amount of money, insane amounts of money too. But that's exactly what the owners are counting on is that people aren't going to notice how terrible they are and say, well, the players are just as bad, blah, 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 blah. But for whatever reason, it seems like they're starting to recognize we can't do this. And I think they're going to get a deal done. They've extended their deadline. I think they're going to get a deal done. Um, it's just unfortunate that this keeps happening. It's unfortunate that the people who run baseball seem to hate baseball. What, and
0: I've heard that a million times. Why? Wh- what is what is meant by that? They don't
1: want to play the games. They don't want to pay the players. They keep right. saying that, like, very famously, Bud Seeley got up in front of Congress a long time ago and said, Major League Baseball lost $500 million last year. And Everyone was, can you prove that to us? Well, no, we won't show you our books. I mean, right. they just – Basically, go up and lie and say we're losing money because they don't want to pay the players. I,
0: I hate ever saying I'd ever side with the billionaires over the millionaires. The one piece that I think that the players appear to be going for, that I don't know if I could go for, is it, yeah, and, and it looks like it's happening. Like these these cases where a guy like Albert Pujols could get a 10-year deal at age 32 to finish his career on some ridiculous contract. Well, that the owners, to
1: owners have given out a lot of really bad contracts, but how is that yeah. the players' fault? They supposed to turn them down. You know, I mean, and that's the that's the thing. What keeps happening? Owners keep outbidding themselves with stupid contracts, and then instead of saying, "Hey, maybe we," (laughs) okay, then they they want the players to make the concessions. It's it's a long, you know, it's obviously complicated, but I I really hope it ends soon because I think the owners are willing to miss. They want to miss games because that's payroll they don't have to pay.
0: (laughs) I look forward to your Summit League tournament uh, preview, and we'll have champions crowned and lots to talk about next time. Bye. See you Saturday. There he goes, Matt Zimmer. I genuinely cannot wait until the preview issue and online articles about the Summit League Tournament to get ready for it, and then his coverage all weekend long, along with Mike McCleary at the Argus. I mean, They're working on tight deadlines, big games. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you can't make it, second best place to be is right here at the Gateway Lounge. They know there are plenty of Jack and Yotes fans that still want to gather, have a good time, watch the games. They will be on in this bar. It'll bit lit, And uh, they always have. 2 seven days a week. Jack Daniels, Tito's, Crown Royal, and Captain Morgan. 2 seven days a week from 2 to 7 p.m. and making a double all day Sunday for a quarter. Happy Summit League tourney, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro.
1: Fuck you. You have Yes.